made it through. You made it over. So somebody ought to give God praise right now for allowing you to make it through Monday, make it through Tuesday, make it through Wednesday. Have to deal with the crazy boss. Have to deal with the crazy professor. But now you're here in the house of God on today. And it's all because of the favor of God that's over your life. Come on. Favor attracts attacks. But somebody ought to give God praise for the attraction that's coming your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to have it in spite of praise, in spite of what I'm going through, in spite of how I'm feeling, in spite of what's going through in my life, despite what's on my mind, I'm going to praise God despite, because David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless him in sad times. I'll bless him when I'm down. I'll bless him when I'm upset. I'll bless him when I'm confused. I will bless the Lord at all times. I dare somebody for the next 15 seconds to open up your mouth and give God in spite of praise. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but it's all about what God has already said. It doesn't matter what it looks like with your eyes, what it looks like, what it looks like in the spirit. God said you're going to come through. God said you're going to make it over. God said that you are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. Intensify your praise. Intensify your praise. Intensify your praise. Come on, praise God so much and it makes your neighbor mad. Come on, intensify your praise. Irritate your neighbor. Come on, come on. You didn't come in for your neighbor, but you came in to bless God. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you had to deal with. They don't know what's been going on in your mind. So when you get to the house of God, excuse me if I run. Excuse me if I dance. Excuse me if I scream. I came to get what I need from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is a good God. Despite how things may, what what may be going on, what may not be going your way, in spite of God is yet still a good God. And every now and then we have to go back and, and retrospect and think about what God has already done in our lives. Not so much ask God for more stuff, but to look and see what God has done back then up until today. And sometimes it blows my mind when I look back and I think about all the things that God has did. When I rightfully, I didn't deserve it because I messed up. I've sinned. I've done stuff I shouldn't have done. I've said stuff I shouldn't have said. But, but despite all of that, he looked out upon his child and he said, son, because I love you, I'm going to bless you in spite of because I know, I know, I know that you're going to bless me in spite of what you're going through, in spite of how you feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Let me tell you something. Let me just give you a little sneak peek right now. Many of you, you're not trying, you don't even, you're not able to understand because you're trying to figure out everything that's going on. Because listen, as I said on last Sunday, that I know I'm expecting everything that God promised me for 2010. I'm expecting God to do that before December 31st. So I have 54 more days. 54 more days to stand in great expectation of what God is going to do. But what I have to realize, and I cannot be naive to the fact to know that the devil is not going to stop showing his face, even though what God has already said. So we have to realize, saints of God, that what we may be going through right now is spiritual warfare. 
when demons and all types of stuff is coming up out of the blue, stuff going on, you can't even explain it. And you're trying to figure out everything that's going on. But I came to let somebody know that I dare somebody today that you may be, you may be experienced spiritual warfare, crazy stuff is going on. But I, I dare you to shout and, and dance in front of the devil's face. I dare you to praise God in the devil's face to let the devil know that listen, that stuff may have worked two months ago. That stuff may have worked a year ago. But I've grown over some time. I've grown over sometimes and now I know now we ain't gonna play no music if I ain't gonna dance If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. I believe this is a word from the Lord. First Kings chapter 19, verse 4. See, sometimes we look at people how they praise and we say, you know what? It may not take all of that. They may not have to do all that. But if you've been through the hell they went through, you'll run too. You'll shout too. You'll dance too. First oh, oh. Kings chapter 19. Verse 4, and I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible, and it says this. But he himself went a journey, a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a loom broom tree or a juniper tree and asked that he might die. He said, it isn't enough now, Lord. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's help for a troubled mind. Come on, find somebody next to you. Find another neighbor and say, neighbor, there's help for a troubled mind. Come on, find somebody behind you and encourage them and let them know there's help for a troubled mind. Find somebody across the ways outside in the audience and tell them, say, there's help for a troubled mind. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for your presence and your spirit that we already feel in this house, God. Father God, I ask and pray that you will pull our flesh into subjection, Father God, that our spirits will come under authority, under your authority, O oh God, and that we will open up our hearts, our ears, and our spirits to receive the word of God on today, God. I pray that this is a word of confirmation to someone to let them know that despite of what may be going on in their mind, O oh God, that there is help, O oh God, for their troubled mind. And God, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Come on, as you go into your seat and tell your neighbors and neighbors, there's help for a troubled mind. There's help for a troubled mind. The theme of 1 Kings is disruption. Um, there is constant and consistent sin that is plaguing the land. The children of Israel are the sins that the children of Israel are participating in. Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, introduces Baal worship, Baal worship, uh, which is the false gods, and no one stands up against her rebellion but one prophet by the name of Elijah. 
God uses the prophet Elijah to do supernatural things so that God, so, so that God, his father, would be recognized and would be honored. He prophesied to Ahab that there would be no rain in the land until they clean up their acts, until they clean up their sin, until they, until they repent from their old ways and turn and allow God to renew them and to refresh them. He raises a poor widow's son back from death. And he stands to seize the destruction and the demise of the 450 prophets of Baal. He stands firm in his belief and his conviction and does not compromise at all. Elijah is a man that has yielded himself to be used by God in supernatural ways. He stands for righteousness and holiness and, and he sees the salvation of the Lord. But soon experiences spiritual warfare. Tell your neighbor, say that he was going through some spiritual warfare. You may, you do know what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare, uh, defined by Bishop Joseph Walker, is this: is when demons and, and, and fallen spirits and evil spirits or impostors, fake uh, fake people, attempts to deceive and hinder goodness and the will of God. Let me read that again. Spiritual warfare is when demons and fallen spirits and evil people or impostors attempt to deceive and hinder goodness and the will of God. These attacks can be assaults on a person's thoughts, relationships, and personal relationship with God. Or they can be demonic possession or harassment. When God is moving spirit, when God is moving and getting ready to do a great work, there will always be spiritual warfare. When God is getting ready to move by his spirit, when he's getting ready to tear down some strongholds, when he's getting ready to move in a supernatural way that we know not of, there is always going to be spiritual warfare. Well, why do you say that, preacher? It's because we are coming against the devil's kingdom. We are coming against everything that he stands for. And just like anybody else, when you are about to be attacked, you're going to try to do everything that you can to defend yourself and so when the God is moving when the Lord is getting ready to do great things that's when the devil is going to try to defend himself because his kingdom is being threatened his kingdom is being harassed and he is going to try to do everything to uphold his kingdom and so many of us are different things that we're going through in life it's not so much we think oh you know what we're trying to make sense of everything that's going on. We got different thoughts that's going in our, going on in our minds. All of a sudden, people, crazy people coming up to us saying all types of crazy things and doing all types of crazy stuff. And we're trying to make sense and trying to understand that everything that is going on. And I came to let somebody know now that you are in battle. You are in battle and you are going through some spiritual warfare. It's one thing that the believer of God cannot do. We must always be on guard. We must always be ready. We must always be on guard because we never know where the devil is going to try to slip through a creek. It's going to kind of come over a corner, got to sweep the, uh, slip through the crack door to come in and to do some crazy and jacked up stuff. And listen, as believers, we should never be caught by surprise. But we should always be ready. That's why the Bible tells us that we should always put on the full armor of God. Because you never know, especially with your mind. As soon as you wake up in the morning, the devil's already ready. Even as you're sleeping, he's plaguing your dreams, trying to put stuff into your mind that's not even of God. And then you wake up trying to figure out, why in the world will I have this crazy, crazy dream? Why in the world will I thinking all of these thoughts? Even while you're sleeping, the devil is trying to creep into your mind and bring thoughts that's not like him or thoughts that's not like God. 
And so that's why it's important, saints of God, that even before we lay, out, lay down at night, that we lift up a prayer unto the Lord and ask the Lord God, keep me, Lord God, as I'm sleeping. Keep me, Lord God, as I'm down. Because somebody could break into my house. Somebody could come in and hurt me, God. But I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over my life. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over my life, oh God, as I'm sitting here, as I'm sitting here in a deep sleep. And even while you're sleeping, the devil's trying to play with your mind. He's trying to insinuate certain things. He's trying to program certain things in your head. And then when you rise in the morning, the devil is ready. What can I do? How can I be able to take my brother? Or how can I be able to take this child of God or this woman of God out? Can't get mad at him because it's his job. Can't fire him because it's his job. He's only doing his job, and his job is to destroy is to destroy us as believers. Elijah, a great man of God, is running for his life from Jezebel. We all know who Jezebel is. Jezebel is a senior waiter in the church as a woman that wears a red dress and red lipstick and red fingernail polish. Oh, y'all done heard that before. Don't have, you know you done heard it. And so, Elijah is dealing with Jezebel. Jezebel's name means unhusband, meaning she does not want to submit. She does not want to come under authority. She does not want um, to listen. She does not want to take advice. She does not want to obey anybody but herself. And so, she's married to a man who she's not even given the right or the authority to, to cover her to be the husband. But yet, but yet, Ahab has allowed himself to be pumped by Jezebel that she's ran the pants in the house and running everything that's going on in the house. And so Jezebel, this woman, no one wants to stand against Jezebel. No one wants to come against Jezebel. And so she brings in false worship into the people of Israel's mind. They had never thought about false worship. They had never thought about false gods because they realized just how good their God was. But then Jezebel comes on the scene, and because she's unruly, and because she's, uh, she's, not, she's not submissive, and because Ahab won't stand up and put his foot down and put his wife in her place, she is doing whatever it is that she wants to do. He's the king. He's almost the poster child for a king. Because he's not really doing anything at all. She's running everything. And so Jezebel captures the mind of Elijah. She receives word from Ahab. Ahab wasn't man enough to try to go and stand for what was right. But he goes out and he comes back to Jezebel. Well, honey, have you heard about what Elijah did? He done went up to Mount Calvary and has slain all of your prophets. So he's sitting there instigating, stirring the pot, trying to get stuff going. Didn't have guts enough. enough he didn't, didn't have the guts to stand up for himself, to stand up for what was right. But he had behind the scene, don't want to face Elijah. But he goes and he begins to talk to Jezebel to let him let her know what uh, to let her know what Elijah has done. And the Bible says, look at um, chapter nineteen, verse two. It says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying. So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not your life as, as, as their life, as one of their lives, by this time tomorrow. So she was pretty much sending him a text message letting him know that by this time tomorrow, I'm going to end your life just as you ended my 450 prophets of Baal. And the Bible says that Elijah gets the word and he takes off running for his life. Now why? I don't understand this. I don't get it. Let me walk for a little bit because my mind was just bottled. How could a man 
that has stood against 450 prophets, false prophets, that could have easily taken him out because it was 450 against one. Stand up to these false gods, but yet back down and run from one woman. One person. One. <laughs> Mother Calvin says, you go, girl. That was a bad man, pajama. That you have enough power and authority that you, are, that you are scared of one person, but you face 450. But the thing about it is that Jezebel had control over Elijah's mind because the Bible says that she sent a messenger. She didn't go and tell Elijah herself, but she sent a messenger to tell Elijah that by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And the Bible says he froze up, he got scared, and he took off the running. All because of what he heard. Never saw Jezebel. But because of what he heard, he runs for his life. Elijah was scared by the message, but was never confronted with her face to face. I got a question for you this morning. Well, what are you running from? What are you running from? What's some stuff in your life that has intimidated you that God said that you already have the power, that you already have the authority, that you already have the anointing to be able to stand against certain stuff. But because, listen, you face much bigger stuff than this, but this little small thing you've allowed to intimidate you, allowed you to back down, allowed you to shrink up, allowed you to shrivel up and to leave and to deny the power that lies within. What are you running from? What have you given in to? What have you allowed to capture your mind and have complete control of your mind? That you're so afraid that you haven't even, haven't even seen it, but you just heard a message of it. And you're running for your life. Our minds are precious instruments like computers. Minister Kirk, can you turn the air down a little cold? My head up here shining. It's not because I'm, I'm sweating. It's just shining. I put some baby oil this morning. It was a little dry. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Can't have no dry head trying to preach the word. <laughs> Our minds are precious instruments like computers that contain so much analytical information that, can, that contains so many files and all types of things and that if we don't properly take care of the computer, it will become, it will, it will go into a phase of being overloaded with so much stuff because we haven't deleted certain files that needed to be gone out of our lives, out of our computers. And because we haven't deleted these files, now they have turned into viruses. And the viruses have now messed up our hard drives. You can't get your computer to come on. You can't get on the internet. You can't do what you really want to do because now your hard drive, the heart of your computer now is jacked up. It's messed up. And now since the viruses are there, it never made sense to us to apply the antivirus to our computers to block all the different viruses that were trying to come up in our computers to mess up our hard drive. And so it is, saints of God, the same way with our minds. We've allowed so much stuff to come into our minds that we have not deleted certain things, but we've allowed our minds to go into overload. And because we haven't applied the antivirus, which is the word of God, now we get all types of stuff that's going on in our minds. We get all 
all types of stuff that's going on in our lives, and we're trying to figure out how did it all happen. We never applied the word of God. Elijah ran from Jezebel when all he had to do was stand on the word of God, this powerful man of God, this prophet of God, this man who could say, listen, for the next three years, it's not going to be no rain, and no rain came. If you have that much power to hold rain up, you have enough power to shed one woman down. But because his mind, because his mind was captured by the spirit of Jesus, but because his mind was captured and it was overloaded with so much stuff and he didn't delete certain things out of his mind. Now his mind is jacked up with so much stuff. And he's running for his life. Listen, saints, life will deal you a bad hand every now and then. Unexpected and unforeseen circumstances will arise that may throw us for a loop, but it's all about how we handle what comes our way. It's all about how we handle the different things that come our way. Listen, I'm a person. I like for stuff to be in order. You know, I like for things to have its place. And sometimes my niece, this little story for you, my niece, she know how I am. You know, we're nine years apart. So it's more of a brother, brother-sister relationship rather than uncle. So she won't, she refuses to call me Uncle Chip. She refuses to submit. <laughs> Put that out there. She's five hours away. It'll be all right. And so she knows, okay, you know, go down memory lane. You know, I have a church downstairs at my parents' house. Every time I go home, you know, I have to do a little checkup and see how stuff is going down there, see how things are going at the church. You know, and every now and then I'll go down there, Elder Robertson, I can tell. You know, I, I'm, when I put stuff in a certain place, I can walk in the room and realize if something moved, especially if it's in my house or my stuff. And so, I went down there to the church, and she had some, he had some stuff move, and uh, I come back upstairs, and I was like, well, who done been downstairs in the church? So who done been down there? Who, who playing in the church? Church doors closed today. And she's in the background giggling and laughing because she realized now I'm irritated because she done went downstairs, not even mind her own business, started messing with stuff, up there behind the sacred desk doing stuff, turning on stuff, then turning stuff off. And so now I'm irritated, and it throws me for a loop because I didn't expect those stuff to happen. And when I give in, when I give in to the irritation that she has already plotted and planned to cause me, then she enjoys the reaction that she gets from me. Why? Because I gave in to the plan and the plot that she had. Too many of us, we are giving in to the plans and the plots that the devil has laid our way. Every time something happens, we quick to fall out, we quick to give in. Listen, we have to take notice and we have to realize that, listen, I know the devil's going to do some crazy stuff, but I I don't care what comes my way. I might have to go home tonight. I might have to turn to my pillow and cry, but I'm getting up in within five minutes and I'm getting up to let the devil know that, listen, this stuff may have worked a long time ago. Yes, I I may be crying, but I'm going to be fighting and crying all at the same time because I refuse to allow myself to be a victim to your plans or a victim to your plots. And because we have not stood on the word of God, because we deny the power within of God living on the inside of us, we become a victim to the plots and the plans of the enemy. And when we become a victim to the plots and the plans of the enemy, he captures our minds. When our minds have been dealing with so much and never allowed to release, we too ask God to take our lives just as Elijah. 
when a release hasn't come, when a release hasn't happened, we began to grieve. Listen, grief, did a little research on that. Grief is not just mourning or suffering on the loss of a loved one. But grief is defined in the, in the dictionary as frustration and annoyance. We become frustrated and annoyed when things don't go our way. We grieve when we expect God to move a certain way, but he moves another way. We become upset and irritated with God, elderhood, and frustrated and annoyed when things don't go the way that we had already outlined them and planned for them to go. And we began, we began to grieve at what has not happened or because of what has happened in our lives that we have no control of. And we're grieving and people sometimes don't allow themselves to grieve the way that they need to, but they try to go on like nothing is wrong, like everything is all right. But I got a question for you today, saints of God. How long will you portray the outer man as having it all together when the inner man is inside suffocating to death? Because what happens, saints, listen, we all got the church lingo down, right? You see somebody in church, well, how you doing? Praise the Lord. I didn't ask you for a praise. I asked you how you was doing. Well, how you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. That's all well and fine. But sometimes we have to be real and honest with ourselves. Listen, if somebody may ask you how you, know, how you doing or whatever is church, you know, you say, you know what, just pray for me. I ain't got to go all into details, but I'm not going to sit here and fake it and try to say all this church lingo to make you think that I'm so super spiritual and that, that I'm psycho-spiritual, that I don't go through certain stuff in life, that I don't deal with certain things in life when I do deal with stuff in life. But it's all about how I handle all the stuff that I'm going through in life. I don't have to come here and dump on you everything that I'm going through in my life, but I can be honest with you and let you know that, listen, my brother, my sister, I need you to pray for me because I'm going through some things. I'm going through some battles, some stuff that I cannot handle by myself but I need you to pray for me don't ask me all the questions about what's wrong don't ask me all you don't ask me for for whole references about what's going on in my life but just pray for me just pray for me and so we have folks they come to church Listen, and they have everything down packed. They got their testimony down packed. They got their dance down packed. But on the inside, they're messed up and they're jacked up and they're dying on the inside. But they're showing us something on the outside, but it's not, it's not giving the full truth to how they feel on the inside. People tell you, well, fake it till you make it. No, you can't get, you got to stop faking it till you're making it. Got to stop faking till you're making. Got to stop doing all the phony stuff. Got to stop trying to dance in church because the music is going. Got to stop trying to do all this other stuff in life when you realize in your life, listen, I'm in pain. I'm jacked up. My mind is confused and I need help. But what happens in the church is that we, when people come to church and they're all jacked up and messed up, messed up, Brother Lawrence, we offer them church instead of Jesus. Don't nobody want to go with me today. That's all right. We offer them religion, but we don't offer them relationship. We tell them all these different sayings. We give them all these different lingos to say, but we don't tell them the truth of the matter. Is that, listen, I realize what you're going through because I've been through the same stuff that you went through. But let me tell you, if it had not been for God that was on my side, I never would have made it through. If it had not been for God touching me, if it had not been for God there to listen to me when I cried, I never would have made it through. 
Truth of the matter, some of us, we've come into church confused and messed up in our minds, and we never knew, but we never allowed it to be shown what was going on. But on the inside, we were dying and crying. On the inside, we just wanted somebody to come up to us and just hug us. On the inside, we just wanted somebody to smile. On the inside, we just needed somebody to just come and embrace us. On the inside, we needed somebody to discern my outward spirit, my outward appearance to let them know that I need to go in and say an encouraging word to my brother or to my sister because they're going through some stuff, and I don't need to know what they're going through. All they need to know is that I'm there, that I'm praying for them. People come and they're faking it. They in church. They they're dancing. Listen, I'm all down for dancing. I dance with the best of them. But after the dance, you need something to stabilize you to make it through. After the after the shout, you still need the word. Of, you need the word of God as your foundation to be able to stand. Because your shout will give a release, but the word will give you life. The word will give you life. And we neglect. We neglect to discern how people are feeling and what they're going through. And we just come to church just to be churchy. We come to church just to be seen. When in essence, people that are coming in, yes, they dressed up nice, got on the finest clothes, got the nicest hairdos, but they're messed up on the inside. And they're just looking for somebody to say, my brother, my sister, I love you. My brother, my sister, I'm praying for you. Listen, and there is everything okay? Listen, listen, feel free to text me. Feel free to call me whenever you want. Listen, if you don't want to, you don't have to, but just know that I'm praying for you. Elijah is depressed, ready to die, and he's afraid. Now, it's dangerous to have one of these, but it's even more dangerous to have all three together. He doesn't know where to go or who to turn to, so he runs and sits under a tree and asks God to take his life. Now, people of God, we have to realize and we have to understand, Elijah is not saying, well, God, I'm ready to come on up young. I'm ready to come to heaven. No, 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 no. Elijah is giving in to a premature, he, he's, his spirit, his body, his spirit and his mind is desiring to give in to a premature death because he's tired. He's weary. I've done all this stuff and raised up people's kids from the grave. I've done Fought 450 prophets of Baal. And now I got somebody that's after my life. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of going through. And he lays there under the tree and he said, God, take my life. Take my life, Lord. He said, I'm not, I'm not even better than my father's. He said, I have nothing else to live for. Saints of God, we have no idea how there are so many believers in the body of Christ dealing with depression. We have no idea how many people are in the body of Christ that has said, Lord, take my life because I'm tired. Take my life because I'm weary. Can't take this stuff no more. 
it's better for me if I was just gone. He's paranoid because at any time Jezebel can pop up out of the blue and take his life. Depression, thoughts of immature death are now in his mind. But he doesn't realize, Mother Simon, is that depression, (coughs) premature death, and fear is in violation of God's property. He does not realize that these three things are trespassing onto some unknown territory and unknown property that are not his. He does not have enough strength to be able to say, listen, uh, before, listen, listen, he doesn't even have enough, he doesn't have enough uh, strength to be able to discern himself to realize, I feel myself going to a certain level that I shouldn't be going. I feel myself going into some thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking about. I feel myself going into a place that I should not be going. But I believe if you like Elijah had somebody there. I believe that there was somebody there that could be able to pray for Elijah and to let him know. But Elijah, I understand where you at, brother. I may not have been through what you've been through, but I have the heart to understand what you've been through. And I can understand why you feel the way that you feel. But my brother, let me let you know that life is much more, there's there's so much more in life than what's going on right now. There's so much more to live for than just your present circumstance or your present situation. But what we have to do, saints of God, listen, I've been in the place of depression before myself. Come on, folks don't want to be real in church. They just want to tell you all the good stuff that God has done, but they don't want to tell you the horror behind that story. They don't want to tell you the stuff that they have to get through in order to get to where they are now. At a time where I didn't feel like doing nothing, I went to work, barely was at work. Because my mind wasn't there. Counted down the times to get home to go to school to get in the bed. Four o'clock, Elder Robertson, ready to get in the bed for the night. Didn't want to come to church. Didn't want to get up here to preach. I was hoping and praying that God would use him so I can get up here and just say, listen, let's go home. Doors of the church is open. Let's go. <laughs> Didn't want to do it. Left here from church, went home, eating, don't feel like it. Got in the bed, mad because I got to get up and go to work the next day. Come on, somebody. Nobody want to be real with me today, but that's all right. Lost weight. Didn't go to the barbershop for like a month, and that's rare. It was, well, it make a difference now. But it was rare then. Didn't feel like doing nothing. Didn't feel like praying. Didn't feel like reading the word. God, don't nobody understand. Don't nobody, don't nobody realize, Lord. People coming to me want me to pray for them, but I'm really on the inside saying, would you please pray for me too? <laughs> Dealing with all of this stuff, but then one day, saints of God, one day, one day, one day, one day, God pulled me out from what I was in. Because, listen, you have a decision that you make. You can make. You can either give in to depression or you can get over depression. But the choice lies in your hand. And I've come to realize, Elder Hodges, that some people like being victims. 
Some people like being the victims because they like people having pity on them. They like people showing all types of, oh, well, you know, they can't do such and such because they're going through. Oh, you know, they can't sing no more because they don't went through this. Oh, you know, they can't serve on the usher board no more because they had this going. Well, you know, they can't preach no more because they have all this going on in their life. Yes, I understand what you've been through, but what I realize is that I serve a God that's bigger than everything that I've gone through in my life. And because I serve a God that's bigger and greater than everything that I've gone through in my life, I can tell depression, depression, go back to hell. I can tell fear, fear, go back to hell. I can take the authority that God has given me to stand on top of the devil and to let the devil know that you have lost this battle. But we have to use the authority. We have to use the power. We have to use the strength that God has given us because there is no reason why we should allow the devil to trespass and to go into unknown territory that doesn't belong to him. And we don't realize that if you don't deal with depression, if you don't deal with your strongholds in your life, those things will transfer down to your kids, to your kids' kids. And they're trying to figure out, why do I feel this way at times? Why am I going through this stuff? And we have to let ourselves know, the devil is a liar. I'm coming out of this. And because I'm coming out, my kids won't deal with this. My kids' kids won't deal with this. Because I made the decision that I'm coming out with my hands up in total surrender unto God. got to make that decision. I'm not going to allow myself to get to that place. I'm not going to allow myself to get to that place where I want to take my life. I'm not going to allow myself. I'm not going to think that everything has, listen, some, some jacked up stuff may have happened before in your life. Some jacked up things may have come in your life. There are some unforeseen circumstances and some stuff may have happened in your life. But I came to let somebody know the Bible says that you shall live and you shall not die. You shall live. I made it by my mind. I'm not leaving this earth until God says it's time for me to leave. Because when I leave, I want to leave empty of everything that God has given me that I've given out everything that God has deposited on the inside of me so I cannot go until my time is ready. I cannot go until God says that it's time for me to go. But we must access the power of God. We must access the power within and we got to guard our hearts. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, guard your heart. Guard your mind. You got to guard your heart. You got to guard your mind because they both go hand in hand. They both go together because, listen, the Bible says out of the, heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In your mind, you can have stuff in your heart. It's going to transfer up to your mind. You're going to think about it. You can have stuff in your mind. It's going to transfer down to your heart, and it's going to be there. So you have to guard your heart, and you have to guard your mind. You have to set boundaries in your life. You have to set boundaries in your life. When you say, preacher, what are you talking about? What are you talking about guarding your heart? What are you talking about guarding your mind? What you talk about setting boundaries. Don't allow folks to dump on you like a garbage can. Uh, I can't get no help right there. Don't allow people to come up to you and say stuff that you know is not of God. Don't allow folks just to come up and just say whatever they want to say because they're having a bad day and they want to take it out on you. The devil is a liar. I'm not a trash can. I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but you're not going to take it out on me. I'm sorry stuff isn't going your way, but you're not going to take it out on me. And we have, to, we have to be mature enough, and we have to use our authority to let people know, all right, I see you getting ready to go too far. Let me let you know where the line is. Because if you cross that line, I, I, you know, I might have a flashback and I might go back and grab my knife out of my pocket. I might have a flashback and go get my back. I might have a flashback and I may speak in a new tongue, but it won't be spiritual. 
Don't push me. Don't push me. Don't push me. Don't, don't go too far. We have to allow people to know how far they can go with us because no, no, listen, no, listen. Can't nobody treat you in a way that you don't want to be treated. If a person treats you a certain way, it's because you've allowed them to do it. You didn't tell them to stop. Listen, it was at a place people came up to me saying all types of crazy stuff, and I would sit there and I would take it, and I wouldn't think of nothing to say back to Elder Roberts until it was all said and over. I'm at home mad because I didn't say what I needed to say. It was too late then. I'm at home. What in the world, God? Couldn't get my words out. I'm stuttering. Couldn't think of nothing. And they're just dumping on me. They're dumping on me. Saying all types of Saying all types. Just dumping on me. And I took it. Didn't know any better, but I took it. Left mad. Don't allow people to dump on you all types of stuff. Don't allow people to say to you anything they want to say. Sorry. Because what has happened, Elder Robinson, and just like with Jezebel, now what we have now in society, we have some self-appointed supervisors. You got folks that don't even have a right to have authority over your life, but they have appointed themselves supervisors over your life. They're trying to they're, they're trying to train the way you think. They're trying to train the way you talk. They're trying to train you to be everything that they are. But the devil is a liar. I have a life, but you get your own life because I'm going to live the life that God has given me to live. Elijah allowed Jezebel to have too much control over his life. Some of you have allowed depression to have too much control over your life. Some of you have allowed fear to have too much control over your life. Some of you have allowed suicide to have too much control over your life. But I came to serve notice on the devil today that the devil is a liar. You don't have to wait for a preacher to lay hands on you. You lay hands on yourself because just as I seek God, you seek God too. You lay before God and ask God to give you power. You lay before God to ask God to give you authority. Because the power is already lying on the inside of you. It's untapped potential that's ready to be used. But we don't use it. We don't use it. We got to discern ourselves and be real with ourselves and realize, listen, I feel myself. I feel myself going to a stage. I feel myself getting a little bit more lonely than what I should. I feel myself wanting to isolate myself from others. I feel myself getting right. I feel myself faking when, I, when I'm smiling, but I really want to be crying. I feel myself getting to that place where I'm just putting on and, and going through the church lingo because I'm really hurting on the inside, and I just really wish that somebody would discern and just come up and hug me so that I can have a release and cry and just share my feelings. Got to discern yourself. We're always trying to discern others, but we don't discern ourselves. We're always trying to figure out what spirit is working on another person, but we don't discern to see what kind of stuff is going on inside of us. But we have to realize, and I'm about to close. We have to realize that, listen, there is going to be pain in life. Tell your neighbor, there's going to be pain in life. There's going to be pain in life. But listen, we have to realize that we have to realize that in everything that we go through in life and every experience of pain, there is something that we can be able to take away from it. There is something that we can be able to learn from the very situation that we were in. Bishop Joseph Walker, uh, pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, says this about pain. He says, once I own my pain, I must then come to a place where I don't, uh, where I don't let my pain rob me of my future. 
This is what I mean. When you burn your finger while trying to light the grill, it really hurts. But the hurt will go away more quickly if you simply let it hurt and if you if you simply let it hurt and don't fight the pain. This may sound foolish, but it works. It takes more, it takes more energy to push the pain away. And the fear of pain actually makes the pain worse. Forgetting pain does not mean that I eradicate the memory of what happened. It means that even though my memory of pain is with me, I do not give pain the I do not give the pain influence over my current situation. Some of you, you're in here, and all types of stuff is going through your mind. Even now, as you sit here in church, all types of stuff. It's going through your mind. All types of things are racing through your mind. You're thinking about certain things that you shouldn't be thinking about. Listen, you have had a hell of a week. You done have some stuff. You've been dealing with some stuff that's been going on. But I came to let somebody know, let it hurt. Let it hurt. As crazy as that may sound, as weird as that may be, whatever the pain is in your life, let it hurt. Because once you allow it to hurt, once you own up to the pain and you realize, I'm hurting. And I acknowledge the pain. Then healing can be able to come. Healing can be able to come into our lives. And God can be able to restore us and renew us and refresh us into what he desires us to be. Because what Elijah didn't know, yeah, you feel like you want it bad. But he's laying there under that tree. He runs to that cave, and God says, Elijah, where you been? He said, Lord, I've been, I've been hiding from Jezebel because she's been wanting to take my life. He said, you know, God, I'm a little ticked off because, you know, you have these false prophets, and they, you're showing your grace and your mercy upon these people when they don't really deserve it. And God has to ask Elijah, well, Elijah, who are you? <laughs> Did I not? Ordain you to be what you are. How dare you question me and who, and who I choose to show grace and mercy on? How, Elijah, who are you? But Elijah didn't realize that he had to keep living because there was somebody by the name of Elijah, Elisha, that he was going to have to lay his hands on and impart everything that was in him into Elijah. I can't let somebody know today that you can't die. You can't die now because there's somebody coming after you. You can't give up now because there's somebody that's watching you. You can't give up now because your life to somebody else is some nails that they're hanging their life on. You can't die yet. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. I want you to find a neighbor. It doesn't necessarily have to be the person next to you, but the Lord may have been dealing with you about a certain person as we're as the word's been going forth. But I want you to find somebody. I want you to find a neighbor. Now I want you to connect with that neighbor. I want you to join hands with that neighbor. Wherever they are in the building, just find them, go to them. Connect hands. Connect hands with that individual. Listen, saints. We never know what a person's going through. We don't know what somebody had to go through to get to church today. 
We don't know what they're going to have to face once they get home from church. We don't know what they're going to have to face tomorrow when they get to work, when they get to class. We don't know. Nor do we need to know because it's none of our business. But what we can do is we can intercede on behalf of our neighbor. And when I say intercede, intercession is simply you're standing in the gap for somebody else. You're praying for them just as you were praying for yourself. You're praying for them just as if you were praying for yourself, just as you was going before God for yourself. And I want you to lift your neighbor up. I want you to lift your neighbor up. I want you to pray for your neighbor. Because, listen, there's some people that got some stuff going on in their minds, and God sent me to tell you that there is help for a troubled mind. Elijah, Elijah had to go away. He had to go away. He had to go away. God had to isolate him. God had to get him, get him to a place where God could be able to talk to him so that God could be able to deal with him. Because there was more in Elijah that had to come out. There was more that God needed Elijah on this earth to do. And just as he had that with Elijah, he has the same thing for you. It's not time for you to die yet. It's not time for you to give up yet. It's not time for you to throw in the towel. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you're irritated. I know you're frustrated. I know you will get all the aids in your life. But I came to let you know that it is too soon for you to die. It's too soon for you to give up. It's too soon for you to throw in the towel. I know you want to. I know. Listen, some of you may want to leave your marriage. Some of you may want to leave your home. Some of you want to take the kids and give them away. But listen, I came to let you know. Don't you dare give up on your marriage. Don't you dare give up on your children. Don't you dare give up on that job. Don't give up with school, no matter how tough and hard it may get. I know, listen, you're trying to figure out how next semester is going to get paid. God will make a way out of no way. God will open up doors. God will give you just what you need. But you trust and you believe in God. Those that have been thinking thoughts of suicide, the devil is a liar. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. He is a defeated foe. He is a liar. And we bring your minds under captivity. We bring your minds under authority, under the authority of God right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray for your neighbor. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your neighbor. Just as if you was praying for yourself. Come on, lift your neighbor up. Come on, lift your